1: What's going on, everyone? And welcome to another episode of the Fantasy Football Roundtable Podcast. Proud members of the Full-Time Fantasy Podcast Network. You can find them at FTFPodNet on Twitter. You can find me at SportsFanaticMB on Twitter, your host, Matthew Bruning. We are just one of a ton of great podcasts associated with this network, some of which are Jim Day of FF Champs, Bob Lung of The Consistency Show, the creator of The Consistency Guide, and the Midwest Fantasy Expo. There's also Corey Parsons and Dr. Roto from SiriusXM Radio, and you can find all of us on FullTimeFantasy.com, your one-stop shop for all of your fantasy news, advice, and strategies. We are also proud to be partnering with ExpandTheBoxScore.com. You can find them at XTBoxScore on Twitter. They have some of the best college and NFL stats in the business. Very cheap membership, just $15 a year. It is well worth your time and money. It is one of the best deals in the business, in my opinion. So for today's episode, Dennis and Matt are joining me. They're about to join me live, actually, as we are going to make our first voyage into the live industry. We are going to start recording our shows live unless we have a guest who does not want to be on video. Uh, We will be doing that here in just a minute. Uh, So you'll hear another open as I bring those guys on here, but this is just for the podcast opening. Join us. We will be streaming on Facebook, YouTube, Twitch, and uh, hopefully Twitter here very soon going forward with the next few episodes. So Dennis and Matt are ready to go on the live stream. So let's kick it off as we do a rookie mock before the NFL draft. it's gonna be awesome so we are live though on multiple platforms you guys can catch us live from now on dennis is here who you obviously can see if you're following again live follow at culture underscore coach and matt is joining us as well from beautiful denver you can follow at nighthawk 7734 how are we doing today boys
2: doing pretty good uh it's uh has turned back to snowstorms here in colorado so that was a little bit of a downer but it's one week to the nfl draft
3: bright and sunny here 45 degrees rumor has it if the storm turns south a little bit though i'm fixing to get a bunch of snow myself
1: well, bye. well it's not like we can go outside and do anything though right so i guess that really doesn't matter at least i know i can't hear we're kind of still sheltered in place for everything so it kind of is what it is but we are i'm super excited obviously about the draft i cannot hoping that i don't uh, get too pissed off with whatever the Browns do at ten. I know Matt, you've got a very interesting pick there early, and I would imagine Dennis, you you all kind of sold on uh, the Lions going uh, Jeff Akuta there at pick number three.
3: I would love them to go Jeff Akuta at pick number three. I mean, if they went Simmons, I wouldn't hate that either. So uh, they're both, you know, really really good defensive players, and it, I, I'm a big fan of. Both players, so for me, it's a, a win win, whichever one they go.
1: Yeah, I'll be interested to see. Again, we are going to be doing a live show here, I'm going to have it on multiple different uh formats so that you guys can follow us as we do it. And today, we are, as you can see from the bottom, doing a rookie mock. Uh, the thought was. Do a rookie draft between the three of us, talk about some of these players, see where they go, see where we take them in this draft and how much that may change with what happens next week. Obviously, we won't be doing a rookie mock next week uh, with the draft going on. Probably two hours my time. I'd imagine that's probably for everybody. We're, you're, we're about you know a week and two hours away from it starting, so we're just going to talk about that stuff. And then after the fact, we'll talk about how – What we did here may have changed based on what the NFL draft did. So, Matt, you are picking at the 1.2. I am picking at the 1.3. Dennis is at the 1.8. Just the three of us will go through, talk about everything. Uh, And so starting off the draft here, Jonathan Taylor goes at 1-1. Is that kind of the consensus for everybody? I I know I could argue it between three different running backs, but I do think Taylor is going to be the majority 1-1 for most people. What are your guys' thoughts on the 1-1 here going Jonathan Taylor?
2: I mean, I think at this point in time, he probably is the 1-1, one, one was the hottest one coming out of the combine, seems to be at the top. Running back, to me, the landing spots are going to probably shake up the, the top four the most. Because um, we've talked about, I think we talked about it in our Twitter chat. I asked you guys what you thought, some of the mocks I saw. saw DeAndre Swift going to Kansas City. I don't think anybody on here in our group is a big Damian Williams believer. If DeAndre Swift goes there, you'd imagine that offense that would make him pretty appealing. For me, at 1 1, I'd
3: still be going Dobbins. Uh, you know, Matt Waldman was on the Film Nerd show last night. And I, I kind of agree with his take, and that's that uh, Taylor is probably the best pure runner in the class, very good running back, but I think Dobbins is a more well-rounded back, has a more diverse game. That's not to say Taylor can't learn to do the other things well, uh, but Dobbins has been my one, and if I'm picking it one and I'm not going to take Dobbins, well, then Dobbins isn't my one. Now, if Dobbins goes, let's say, to Philadelphia, clearly he's probably not – I'm going to have to drop him just on draft capital uh, and landing spot. But I'm going to go Dobbins at the 101 if I'm picking there.
2: You also just crushed every Philadelphia Miles Sanders hogger's <laughs> heart yeah. by, by suggesting that.
1: I mean, I don't, I don't think you will. I mean, we uh, we're doing a rock, uh, a rock a, a mock with the back row fantasy show. I do the Browns Show for their their new network that they're doing with the Team Solo podcast. And uh, Dobbins went to Miami with their last pick in the first round, which I think be a great spot for him. I, I don't think Jordan Howard would hold him back much. I. I have no doubt that Philly is going to draft a running back. I don't know if they go with a talent like a JK Dobbins, because I do think they'd have to take him pretty early in the first or maybe possibly he might follow them in the second, but I doubt it. Uh, so that goes to Matt here at 1.2. Went a very interesting route. I thought you might go running back. Who did you end up taking at
2: 1.2? So, uh, you know, I took CD lamb. Um, I guess this is where it could change based on, on drafts, but, uh, you know, I think when I was looking at potential running back spots, it's hard to know which one of them exactly is going to end up in a great spot or if if any of them are going to end up in spots where it kind of suppressed. Like, so Dennis just mentioned if Dobbins went to, like, Philadelphia. That's not a clear path to great touches. I think this is a great wide receiver class, and it seems like with so many wide receiver needy teams likely to go out there, these guys have uh, – paths to compete right away to possibly make a difference right away I we've talked about before I still like Land the best now if he ends up in a place that I'm not happy with that might change a little bit too so at this point in time you know if we saw two or three running backs go to really great spots I might pick something different but I just went off of the talent I like the best right now
1: yeah, I mean it's not a bad pick in my opinion. I, I love C.D. Lamb. I mean, I, I always try to attack running backs early in drafts just because uh, uh, we've talked about before their their value is is more for most uh, than most wide receivers in a rookie mock. But I do think C.D. Lamb, C.D. Lamb, Jerry Judy, T. Higgins, maybe Jalen Rager, Justin Jefferson could easily come into the NFL this year and and produce as rookies. So I, I don't think there's a Bad pick really, once you get until the the late end of the first round range because I think you could be hurting yourself a little bit there uh, Dennis, what are your thoughts on him going cd lamb
3: oh I probably would have went running back because i i when you have a stacked running back class uh, it it's that's where I think the value is I do think cd lamb is the clear wide receiver one in this class, so if i'm picking at five or six if I'm looking at CD lamb or Clyde Edwards Alaire it's really gonna come down to uh Edwards Alaire's landing spot if I take him over lamb I I could see at five going lamb over Alaire
1: interesting all right so uh at 1 point3 that let me take my guy which I thought Matt you just did that so I could take JK Dobbins and we could start off our first uh Voray here into into video is me being happy instead of kicking you off the off the video right off the bat I went Dobbins uh Dennis knows he's my running back two I still have DeAndre Swift one but uh, Dobbins is right there I do think you can make an argument for Swift Taylor Dobbins uh I don't. I don't have cam makers up there with those guys, but a lot do. But I think Dobbins is going to wherever he goes, he's going to be a stud. And, and I know some people think that's my Ohio State bias talking, but I love Dobbins. I think he's going to be phenomenal in the NFL, and so be able to, to be able to get him past one point one, I think, is a steal because I do think he should go there or Jonathan Taylor. So I'm thrilled with it. Your guys' thoughts on Dobbins?
2: Yeah, that's a good pick.
3: Yeah, I I, I think he's yeah, the best I'm... back in the class. Uh, Great lateral agility, great burst, great contact balance. Catches the ball very well. Really, really good vision. Uh, I'm a big Dobbins fan. All
1: right, so after that, we saw DeAndre Swift go, Jerry Judy, Cam Akers, and Clyde Edwards. He So that's a... Uh... Probably somewhat close to what you'd expect. I know me and Dennis, we've talked about we tend to lean running backs early. So maybe a Cam Akwards and Hilaire go before Jerry Judy. I don't know if Hilaire goes before Jerry Judy, but do any of those picks kind of surprise you guys with the way they go before we get to a Dennis at 1 8? I,
3: I think Judy probably would, would have been more in the 1 7 spot, potentially 1 6, but I do think he went a couple picks early.
2: I mean, I think it just depends on how you you value positions, uh, too. uh, you know, and I've seen people with different rankings on acres and Clyde Edwards where if you weren't sure. And if Jerry Judy ends up going to a really great spot, you know, you might be looking at better production might depend on needs a little bit too.
1: All right, so that goes to 1.8 where Dennis made a, an interesting move. I, I was not expecting him to go here. So who did you take and why? Because I'm a little perplexed by why you took him.
3: Well, I went Denzel Mims, and it was really between Mims and Rager and Justin Jefferson who's uh, rising for me. And I, I like Mims. He's he's a bigger wide receiver. Uh, I think his, his average depth of target was – leads this class so he's a good real good downfield receiver a little reminiscent I think of Cortland Sutton uh, in that fact but he's a big talented wide receiver and it was really splitting hairs and for today I just went Mims I could have just as easily went Rager or Justin Jefferson I I think they're a very very close uh, tier
1: yeah, I mean I, I know I mean, I would have gone Rager, but that's I mean Dennis, you see all my rookie stuff, obviously for dynasty nerds and everything, so you know my opinions on these guys. I think Rager's still right there in that tier one. I think he's separated himself from from the Jeffersons and the Mims. I'm glad you didn't go Henry Ruggs, uh because that would have been a whole different discussion. Uh, but I don't think Mims is a bad pick. He's clearly after the combine and the more people have looked at him seen, uh, he's really kind of his skyrocket his Stock has skyrocketed up. I would actually really, I'm interested to see where he goes in the NFL draft. Cause I, I do think that this is the area he may end up going, especially if he gets that hot or back in first round or high second round draft capital. Matt, what, Matt, what are your thoughts on Mims?
0: Yeah. I mean,
2: I think he's a good talented pick. It's, it's hard a little bit picking in a vacuum right now, not knowing yeah. where they're going to be and uh, where they're going to end up. But you know, I think he, he makes a good case for him right there.
1: All right, so after Mims, we got Rager, Jefferson, and then Henry Ruggs, and then Joe Burrow to, to, to finish off the first round. Uh, obviously an interesting pick with some of the other players there on the board. Uh, do you guys want to talk about any of those three wide receivers or Burrow before we go into the second round?
3: Well, I, I, I think the Burrow pick, uh, I'm torn between whether or not I think it's too early <coughs> for a one-quarterback draft. I probably, if I was picking 12 and the board had landed in front of me like this, I wouldn't have picked him there. But I tend to wait in one quarterback drafts pretty late, mid to late second round for elite level quarterbacks, which to me, I actually would have taken Tua over Burrow because that's my QB1. So I feel like that pick was probably five to seven picks early. Okay.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's it's probably early. I think the thing we can't take into account with with these kind of mocks in a vacuum, too, is you don't know if, if somebody has a desperate need. Even in a one-quarterback league, it, you know, depending on who you play with and how they like to hoard things, you know, I'm in some one-quarterback leagues where guys have six quarterbacks just because they can So you could reasonably, you know, let's say you're in a one-quarterback league and you ended last year with, uh, you know, with Winston and you had Cam and you figure, well, I'll be fine. And all of a sudden you're looking around like um, I might be Houston. I have a problem and nothing's available. You're at the back of the first round. I don't think it's a terrible, I did that in a league last year. I was at the very back of the first round and there was nothing really compelling in the areas I wanted. And my only quarterback was Derek Carr. So I took Kyler Murray I said, tell with this, I'm not going to, pass on him even though it's a one quarterback league just because it doesn't make sense to take one in the first round
1: yeah i mean i get that in in the in the auction draft that me and dennis were talking about on i think the last episode i think i ended up with four or five quarterbacks just because they were going so cheap and I, I figured why not and it's just a one quarterback league it's not a super flex or anything like that but I figured, why not? If I can get guys like Justin Herbert for $10 in an auction, I might as well just go ahead and do it because it, it could end up being a, a good move for me and maybe be able to move some of those guys later. So I get that. Uh, you know, Again, it, it is technically this, the the computer picking for some of these players here. So Joe Burrow is a, is a guy I would have definitely taken later. Um, you know, Probably around the 2.5, 2.6 is where I'm seeing a couple players go. I wouldn't have taken. Uh, so maybe that's where the Joe Burrow goes for me because uh, I'd definitely take a probably easily the next four picks that went here over Joe Burrow. So going in the second round, we had T Higgins go at two point one. Then Matt, you popped back up at two point two with a really good pick in my opinion. He's he's the guy for me that's on the right on the uh, end of my tier one running backs. Who did you end up taking?
2: Yeah, I grabbed Keyshawn Vaughn. Um I know I've seen some people that have Zach Moss higher, but I, I liked Vaughn and we talked about that a little bit in previous episodes. I thought that was a good value having taken a wide receiver with my first round it, it felt like um you know a good piece of luck that I was able to get uh Vaughn there at 202.
1: Yeah I like it I think that's if you go wide receiver early in your draft that's kind of the him and Moss and I'm not as big on Moss as others are but I am really big on Keyshawn Vaughn those are the two that you have to hope fall right to the beginning of the second round And if you can kind of Get one of those top wide receivers in Lamb or Judy, and then pair them with a Keyshawn Vaughn or Zach Moss. If you're high on Moss, I think that that can end up working out really well for you, and, and it did in this mock uh, for you. Like I said, I, I'd love to start out CD Lamb and and uh, and Keyshawn Vaughn because uh, as much as I like Dobbins, the wide receiver I got in the in the spot after uh, you took Keyshawn Vaughn is not someone I'd rather have over uh, over CD Lamb. So I think it's a it's a good trade off for you, Dennis. What are your thoughts on Keyshawn Vaughn? I.
3: I, I don't know for sure. Like, he, he, there are times when I watch him and I feel like, oh, this guy's got a ton of potential. Uh, he looks really good. And other times where I'm like, oh, he's a little bit stiff. I don't know. I, I don't know if it's, it's going to pan out like we hope it is. Uh, it, at this range of the draft, I'm probably looking for high upside wide receivers, uh, especially the way this one fell, because there is a lot of wide receiver depth. So I'd have probably went wide receiver there. Uh, It's not a bad pick, especially if he lands in the right spot. He could really uh, produce in year one. Uh, He's somebody that could maybe go uh, somewhere and and be that second back that splits time. Uh, So the second half of a committee his rookie year to see will he grow into a larger role.
1: Trying to figure out how to ban Matt from the studio really quick, but I can't find the button.
3: So I figured I know he did that on <laughs> purpose. I, I know week. he did on purpose. Me. And we're live yes, right did. now, so
1: I'm trying to keep. I was about. I was slowly raising my hand up with the with that little middle finger salute. But then I was like, oh, I don't want to get kicked off anything right now, so I'm gonna hold off on that. But yeah, that pick did not make me very happy. So at, at 2.3, I went Michael Pittman. Uh, Obviously, if you guys follow me on Twitter, you've seen my articles. You know I'm a big fan of this guy. I think he's going to be a really good uh, possession wide receiver. He's got a little bit of speed, but he's not going to burn anybody down the field. But his hands are ridiculous. Granted, there are a lot of wide receivers in this draft who have really good hands and kind of play the same game that Michael Pittman does. Uh, But I love Pittman. I think he's going to have the draft capital as well. I see him going somewhere high, second round, middle second round. Uh, I think he's going to end up on a good team. And if he does, I think he's going to be a really good wide receiver. So I went Pittman. I thought about Chenault. Uh, but the injury history is kind of what made me lean toward Pittman a, a little bit more. So what are your guys' thoughts on, I guess, the, the pittman Chenault dilemma there? Is there another person you guys would have targeted there at the at the 2.3 instead of Pittman?
3: I don't know if I would have targeted anybody there, but probably would have been between him and Ayuk for me.
2: Yeah. I, I, I think we're getting into the range of these draft picks where uh, – Their landing spot to me is going to start to make it a little bit more clear, Um, but at this point in time, I think you're going based on preference who you think is the better talent and so I don't fault that pick.
1: Yeah, I mean, I did it also because I was really hoping my guy was going to fall to me in the third or fourth round, and, and Matt, you made sure that wasn't going to happen. So I'm, I'm, you know, thrilled about that. So one thing I hate about being in leagues with, with you guys and some of the listeners because I talk so much about my guys, and you guys know who they are, and then I have to, like, like in the auction drafts, bid up higher for people that I probably shouldn't have to, but everybody knows how much I want them. So that definitely makes it fun. Uh, LaVisca Chenault goes next at 2.4. Zach Moss at 2.5. This one was the interesting one for me. Maybe it's because I'm just not as high on him as others, but Quintez Cephas at 2.6. Either one of you guys have any thoughts on him? Uh, does it, I mean, for me... I I see him more as a third-round pick, so I'm kind of confused at why he's so high up, not just in the rankings on here, uh, but that he went in the second round and as early in the second round as he did because I would have taken Ayuk, Donovan Peoples-Jones, and probably Eno Benjamin ahead of him.
3: Yeah, I I think it's uh, just a function of where the AI has them uh, slotted right now. I I think Cephas has the potential to be – an okay wide receiver in the NFL. Uh, Jeffrey Okuda said that that was the toughest guy he had to cover last year. Yeah. I
1: remember.
3: And, seeing and that. based on that game, it looked like it too.
1: Uh, <laughs> yeah. And that's high praise from a guy like Okuda as well. So,
3: so, you know, maybe he's, maybe he's that guy that's going to come in and, and really surprise us uh, and, and be, be a star, uh, from, uh, you know, a second, third, fourth, a third, fourth, fifth round pick maybe, uh, and end up being uh, a, a breakout candidate. I, I don't know. It seemed like he he's a little bit overvalued in this
2: uh, mock right here. Yeah. Mike Clay has him as wide receiver 28. I was just looking to see it, but I think uh, Dennis is right. The one disadvantage we have when you have so many computer uh, draft spots is they're going to be kind of checking the box going off of the rankings. The question would probably be why Sleeper has it up so high. Yeah,
1: that's what I was trying to figure out. Uh, Maybe I missed something. I mean, I I have no doubt he's going to be a good wide receiver. Uh, I just don't know if I'd take him over some of the guys that that ended up going after him. But like I said, everybody obviously has their differences. I don't rank for Sleeper, so I don't know why they have him where they have him. So then Brandon Ayuk goes, who is a guy, like I just said, I would have taken him over. Uh, Tua goes at 2.8, who is a guy's, as as Dennis talked about, he would have taken as his first quarterback. This is kind of where I think the quarterbacks are going to go in most rookie, uh, most rookie drafts. If it's one QB, especially if you don't necessarily need a QB, where are your guys' thoughts or where do you think the first QB may go in a rookie draft?
3: I think the thing for me is going to come down to if people just, they, they fall in love and think, uh, like, like I did here, I, there was some thought where I said, well, maybe I can get him in the third round. But then I was like, no, he'll never make it back to me. So if I want him, I'm going to need to take him here. I, I can see people it, you know, from the two two to two five starting to do that, or even the one twelve like happened in this draft with burrow. I can see people going, you know what? Uh, I'm going to need to go ahead and take my guy here because I don't pick again for eight or nine picks or 10 or 12 picks. So if I want this guy, I'm just going to need to take him here.
1: Yeah, that's yeah. my bad. I didn't even realize that you were the one who took him. So I apologize about that. Well, I,
2: was, yeah, I, I, thought, took him?
1: I thought you took DPJ, <laughs> so I was going to get ready to talk about that. But go ahead, Matt.
2: I think this is also the spots in the draft where team need, strategy, all those things kind of come into play. You know, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see some some of the top quarterbacks go off in the second round. It can be things where either you have a need in that area, maybe it's a guy you're really high on as a prospect, uh, like Dennis mentioned, especially if you don't have uh, any other really glaring needs that you need to take care of. Um, and, you know, I've also seen, as much as we don't always appreciate it, you know, if you're sitting there at 2-8, and you know that your friend at 210 is desperate for a quarterback who loves Tua, maybe you snap him up uh, because he has somebody on his roster you want to try to poach off. You know, this is, you know, the first round you're usually trying to go on talent and helping your team, putting yourself in the best round for success. I think once you hit second, third, fourth, sometimes you're making more strategic plays. So there's a lot of different things that come into play.
1: So is that, is that the strategic play you made in the third round? You know, is there someone on my I, team you're trying to get?
2: I 100 percent did that on purpose. I know you did. Mm-hmm. I
1: know you did. I almost, I'm about to actually just delete this. I, I, I'm entire not even
2: going to pretend <laughs> that was my own research. <laughs> although you made such a compelling case in the last step, I, I, I love I don't that know kid, man.
1: You I love that kid. It's and I'm not. I feel bad saying this. I really hope it works out for him because, as Dennis knows, I loved Takeem Butler last year as well, and that has not yeah. quite worked out for me so far this year. And now DeAndre Hopkins goes over there. Uh, you know, feeling worse and worse for that kid. Oh, I think he's gonna still be a really good wide receiver. I just don't know if it's gonna be with the Cardinals. uh So after Dennis took Tua, uh Donovan Peoples Jones goes at 2.9. Who's an interesting guy. He's a uh, a wide receiver, I think, has a lot of upside. We talked about him a little bit with uh, John on Monday's episode, how unfortunately he had a guy like Shea Patterson throwing him the ball, has a ton of upside. If he gets that high draft capital, say, I'm trying to think of a team that, the Eagles, say that he lands it on the Eagles in their second round. Maybe they pass on taking Judy or Lamb in that first round or uh, – Who else is probably going to be around there? Jefferson, Mims, those guys, because I think Judy and Lamont should probably be gone. So the the Mims, the Jeffersons of the world, say they pass on that and they decide to take a person in the second round, and they end up taking a guy like Donovan Peoples-Jones. Like, What what do you think that could do for his stock, Dennis? It
3: it can't hurt it, that's for sure. For me, the trouble with Peoples-Jones, aside from the fact he went to Michigan, is that I I just, there are times when I want to see a guy make the most out of a bad situation and he didn't always do that. I I think he's going to be, he's going to have an opportunity to show what he can do in the NFL. I, I, I expect I'm probably pretty low on him. He's probably, if I had to put my money on somebody that i'm probably uh off base under on it's probably people's jones
2: what's wrong with michigan
1: oh god i'm kicking you off where's the band button where is the <laughs> i band have
2: this, button? I, I have this da- hat down here from prior to getting my home haircut but
1: you also know, my you know my wrong? boss you know what's wrong with the team up north this is what's wrong with the team up north they kick their they kick what? their ass every time that's why
2: my boss is a big Penn State fan so every time I wear my a Michigan hat and our team's chat uh, I know it it rubs her the wrong way too.
1: Yeah, that 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 hat rubs everybody the wrong way unless you live in Michigan. That that that's just the way that it works. Uh, all right, so let's go. Let's keep on moving. A.J. Dillon at 2.10, which is interesting. He's another guy that's been talked about kind of up there uh, for a lot of people and probably more in the top of the Tier 2 range than anything in the Tier 1. Uh, so that if he ends up getting on a team where he possibly has a chance to get some some work as the first guy or the lead guy, I think him getting it picked at 2.10 is going to be good for him. K.J. Hamler, Claypool, Chase Claypool, which I think is all combine-related for him to shoot up that high. Is you, uh, do you guys agree with that?
3: I, I would agree. Yeah. I, I think crazy. if A.J. Dillon is it, is top of your Tier 2, then your Tier 1 has about 18 backs in it.
1: Well, no, he's not top of my Tier 2. He's, like, more toward the bottom of my Tier 2. But there are people who, who – uh, Kane from DLF is a huge A.J. Dillon guy. He's still got him in his Tier 1. I don't. I, I'm, I'm not sold on Dillon. I was talking about Chase Claypool, though. He seems to – his, he's kind of like right there with uh, Denzel Mims. After what he did at the Combine, his uh, stock has really kind of shot up. Now, obviously, end of round two isn't quite as good as Mims has shot up, but still, I don't think anybody was talking about Claypool in the ranks with Donovan People jones and K.J. Hamler before the season. I think the Combine has really kind of helped shoot his stock upwards. Yeah. All right, so let's get into the third round where, again, Matt just – I wish I could – can I remove – I can remove the player. Does it redo the whole round? Oh, no, just him. So who did you take at two point three point two there, Matt? Oh, I'm just messing with you. Uh, oh, well, wow, where'd he go? There we go. Uh, so Eno Benjamin goes at 3.1. So I actually do want to have a discussion about Eno Benjamin, Dennis, because we've talked about him. Last year, we thought him coming out into the draft in 2019, he would have been in that Tier 1. He was a running back who had a really good year uh, that the year prior, and this year came in with a lot of expectation. I don't know if anybody expected him to be up there with the, well, not a lot of people were high on Dobbins, but the Taylors of the world. And then obviously having the year that he had, really has kind of dropped down even into the bottom of Tier 2. Do you think that, Is he somewhere in the middle? Was it what we saw two years ago, last year? What are you expecting from Eno Benjamin coming into the NFL?
2: Well,
3: I I definitely think he's got the opportunity to outperform where he's looked at now. He's kind of in the same boat as Anthony McFarland, dealt with a few injuries, didn't – he came back when he he could have came out and just didn't look the same. So – For me, I think Benjamin can come in if he can catch the ball well uh, and run tough. You know, he could be – I could see him coming in somewhere and surprising and and putting up Philip Lindsay-type numbers.
1: I like that. I'm obviously a big fan of Philip Lindsay. So, Matt, you have any thoughts on, uh, you know, Benjamin?
2: No, I think you guys covered it pretty well.
1: All right, so at the 3.2 spot, you got the best wide receiver in the draft, so go ahead and tell us why you took Isaiah Hodgins there at
2: 3.2. Well, beside the personal Mike. pleasure of seeing your reaction, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so at 3.2, you know, I took uh, Lamb on the first round. I, I went and got a running back and in on the second round. Uh, coming around to third, I was going to see what was there at quarterbacks, you know, after Dennis took to, uh, I really couldn't bring myself to get Herbert or anything on there. So I went back to look at receivers. I think you made a really compelling case uh, for Hodgins. Uh, so did uh, our guest on, on Monday. So, you know, I, that was the name that kind of jumped out at me. There were a couple of options I looked at, but um, you know, I thought that made the most sense. I thought it was going to be a good value there. I knew 100% if I didn't take him there, he was never coming back to me.
1: Yeah, yeah, I was definitely looking to take him at 3-3. Three, three. I was uh, a little shocked when I pulled up my board, and I was like, wait a minute, he, there's no way he's down here past these guys. And then I looked and saw that you took him. Uh, yeah, I, I love the kid. Uh, I really do think he's going to be a a high-end wide receiver too with with some wide receiver one upside, obviously, depending on where he lands. He's, he's the one guy I am really excited. Uh, to see where he goes next weekend because I, I do think his landing spot could really hurt his uh, draft stock, which he's still going to get drafted by me in every draft, or it could really help him if he ends up getting, like John talked about on Monday, if he ends up getting somewhere in between that third and fifth round draft value, His stock is going to shoot up because he is definitely a guy that I think a lot of people are overlooking. Uh, Since you took Hodgins, I took a guy that uh, I've really started to – he's really started to grow on me, and that's the running back Antonio Gibson. He's been used as a wide receiver as well. He's kind of a versatile weapon. Uh, I really like the kid. Uh, I'm interested to see what happens with him because there are a lot of people talking about him maybe not be fifth or sixth round pick, and so – He's another guy that I'm kind of comparing to the maybe have that Philip Lindsay type rookie year where he's going to have to make his name on special teams. And then depending on the team he lands on, that might lead him to getting some kind of work on the offense. But he is extremely special, I think. I don't know if he – I personally don't think he could ever be the, the workload or the workhorse back for a team. But he is a guy that I think could easily come in and be a – Darren Sproles, Alvin Kamara type, and if he lands on an explosive offense, I think he's a, he, he's a steal in the third round. Uh, do either one of you have thoughts on Antonio Gibson?
3: It, it just comes down to how is he going to be utilized. He definitely has talent, but is he going to come in and get playing time, or is he going to come in and get Tony pollard did? That's the real question because if, if, if he comes in and they use him like Cordero Patterson and Tony Pollard and he gets a couple touches, you're going to have these games where he, he explodes for a couple big plays and then you stick him in your lineup and you don't hear from him for three games. That's really the biggest concern is once he gets somewhere and they say this is how we're going to use him, then I think that might make more sense.
2: Well, and I think, you know, you talked about a guy who's played receiver. If you look at the uh, rookie rankings on ESPN, they actually have him listed at wide receiver. Oh, okay. So, uh, you know, I think that's going to be a little bit interesting. You know, is a team that takes him wanting to use him as kind of that running back? Are they wanting to use him at wide receiver, you know? we've seen other guys who kind of are in that tweeter role. There's been a lot of talk, you know, like uh, when there were some injuries for the Texans last year, you saw Duke Johnson when he was on the field, he was actually playing the slot almost all the time. You know, is that kind of uh, what they're looking to do? So I think depending on where they end up and, and trying to get a feel, that's the tough part. I don't know about you, but a lot of my rookie drafts are now going to take place between May 1st and May 29th because people, just into draft oh yeah and considering there's no rookie mini camps there's not going to be really an off-season program uh landing spot will help you some but you you know some of those questions you could end up getting a steal or you could end up in a situation that doesn't work because we are not going to have the greatest information by the time most of us draft junkies are drafting rookie drafts.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. And all of the leagues that I commission outside of, I think, two of them right now, they all want to start the Monday after the draft because they're like, all right, let's go. We, got, we, we want stuff to do. So, which I don't think is a bad thing. I mean, it – it, you're you're going to end up probably in the fourth round with a guy that may not end up on a team, and that's fine. It's a fourth round of your rookie pick. I, I, don't, I don't know of most rookie drafts that go past four rounds. I, I know of me and Dennis are in a couple, I think, go to the fifth round, so you might end up having something like that. But, yeah, even now looking at it like we took in the fourth round, I mean, I'd be happy with my guy. I, I don't think that – I do think he'd land on a team, may not produce for the first couple of years, but I think he'll be fine. Uh, so after I go Antonio Gibson at 3-3, three, three, Tyler Johnson at 3-4, who's another – Really interesting wide receiver, uh, really kind of dropped down um, a lot of people's ranks with what happened with him after the college football season. If you go go and look at his stats, he produced like an elite wide receiver, uh, but just did not do the things correct off the field afterwards, kind of said he was going to commit to doing stuff and then backed out, said he was going to come do stuff at the combine, backed out, and I think that's really kind of hurt his stock. Uh, Dennis, what do you think could save Tyler Johnson's stock? Is it being drafted in the top three rounds? you think even a fourth or fifth round pick by a a wide receiver needy team could help him? What could help Tyler Johnson kind of move back up to where a lot of us had him uh, during the college football season?
3: I don't know that anything can outside of one team just falling in love with him. Uh, I, I think that when you look at uh, the things that he didn't do, like he he didn't get invited to the Senior Bowl, uh, and that's a that's a pretty big snub because I, unless I misunderstand the process, a lot of that is. Team executives saying, "Hey, we wouldn't mind seeing this guy." There, there's a certain amount of input given as to who should be there, and the same thing when it comes to the combine. And so, to to not get invited to the senior bowl and not do anything at the combine, uh, my concern is that he's going to be uh, this year's Hakeem Butler.
2: You know, and I think it's unfortunate for a lot of these guys. We, the reality is we lived in a different world during the time that we did the Combine, and there were a ton of people who were looking toward a pro day where you can control the circumstances a little bit more to try to show themselves off in a better way. I mean, we saw, if you saw the, the home video kind of Combine that Rager did, his times and, and everything yeah. were dramatically different than his Combine. And so I think there was a lot of people that at that Combine period made some decisions that maybe they wouldn't have made had they known what precisely was going to follow,
1: yeah, that see, and i don 't know if I almost think that maybe the the fact that we are living in a different world and everything might also help Tyler Johnson some as well because you then have to go back and look at the tape, and what he did in college and on tape shows that he is a top ten wide receiver in this draft, and that 's why so many of us had him up there it 's really just kind of what happened after the fact and for us in the fantasy community, we looked at it as, okay, well, why are the NFL teams not as high on this guy as we are? What What are they seeing or what do they know that we don't? Like Dennis mentioned, they didn't want him to come out to the Senior Bowl. And for us, that is that is a big snub. It's like, okay, well, why? Because he produces a top wide receiver across from a guy like Rashad Bateman, who are some, some are talking about being the best wide receiver in a class in a couple of years, and he was outproducing him. So the fact that he was able to do that on a college level and, again, against top competition in the Big Ten, it's not like he was playing – in the ACC, where you're only going up against a good team in Clemson, he was going up against good teams almost every single week. The teams knowing he was the one that they had to stop and they still couldn't do it. And yet, he's really kind of fallen off and, and really taking a big hit. And it seems all based on because of what he did after the college football season ended, which kind of drives me crazy a little bit because for me, you're supposed to rank these players based on what they do on the field, not what they do off the field. So, Tyler Johnson. Jones-
3: what Tyler, what's Tyler Johnson's elite trait?
1: I would say his contested catch, though his route running is really good. Let's let's talk
3: about contested catch. You know what the other side of the contested catch coin is? What's that? Can't separate.
1: That's true, yeah, but you also have guys like I'm trying to think of, I'm trying to pull like Chase Claypool, who's now getting that just because he ran a fast fast time at the 40, but we didn't see that on the field at all with Notre Dame. And I, granted, I guess you could say Ian Book was not nearly as good as, I don't know off the top of my head, who Minnesota's quarterback I mean, I think we was.
2: talked about this before the combine. There are people that tend to put a little too much stock in the combine. And what we had expected post-combine is then you start having people's pro days and you start having them get to come for visits and things and it sort of mediates it out. I think what we're going to get that's a bit of an outlier this year is the combine was really the – ended up being the time that we got to see all these people and we got to see them in person. We've seen later, you know, Tua Tagovailoa – he couldn't release more videos of him doing stuff and looking good and stuff. And everybody just comes back and says, well, we didn't get to see it in person. We didn't get to touch his hip and make sure that it was still attached to the bone. So I don't know if these private workouts – you know, Rager has a, a great private workout video. That he puts out, well, you know, he could have rigged that. He could. So it's, it's a weird year. It's going to be a weird draft experience. I think it's going to be weird. What we don't know, too, for somebody like Tyler Johnson – Could he sell himself pretty well? You know, they're getting these kind of private video chats. We know teams are still doing meetings. Can he sell himself to the right team who saw something they liked on film and that make up for some of the other things? All you need is one guy to be sold on your character, to believe in you, and and you're home free. And I think there's a lot of pieces of the draft process that are usually really public that we have more information on that we're going to be going in as fans a little bit cold. And I think that's going to make the picks maybe a little more surprising, or exciting at times.
1: Yeah, I mean, he's going to have to sell himself, and I don't know if that's a good thing, because I heard a lot of people, when they interviewed him for the Shrine game stuff, before he ended up not going, he he was not blowing away people in the interviews either. So that, that may be another thing that hurt him. Uh, so AGG, Antonio, Gandy, Golden goes at 3.5. He's kind of that... Uh, Uh, Smaller school darling, we see every year you've got one of those guys. I'll I'll be interested to see where he goes as well. He's definitely got skills. I think he can be a decent wide receiver in the NFL, but for me, my biggest thing has been the draft capital. I need to see an NFL team believe in him and take a shot on him more than just a sixth or seventh round pick before I really buy into him being a a fantasy asset right now. Uh, Justin Herbert goes at 3.6, which is just a shame that he goes that late, but I guess it is what it is. 3.7, Cole Komet. 3.8, Devin Duvernay. 3.9, Jalen Hurts. I want to talk about Jalen Hurts for a minute, because I think he's going to be the one that might get the biggest kind of shock out of all of us, especially if he ends up going in the back end of the first round. Where do you guys think he goes? Because there's a lot of talking, and I'm not someone who follows the ESPN stuff as much. I, I know McShea and uh, Kuyper are very well respected in the business, and they do, do their own stuff, and uh, McSh- not McShay, Kuyper was the one who first started talking about last year Baker being a guy that may go higher than a lot of us thought a couple of years ago. And then he ended up, obviously, the day of the draft, a lot of people were like, well, he's going to go one to the Browns. And then it happened, and it was all stuff that Kuiper was saying this is what he heard from other people. Well, he is now hearing from people, according to him, that there's no way Hurts makes it out of the middle of the second round. He's going to go back into the first round or somewhere near the top of the second round. So where do you guys think Jalen Hurts goes I'm going to start with Dennis because I know for sure Dennis is not a big fan of Hurts. Where is it you think Hurts goes and and why? Uh,
3: He's going to go to the bench. So (laughs) I think he he brings a lot of intangibles. Jalen Hurts is going to have a long NFL career. And I think because he's going to be a guy that you can count on to do certain things. Processing the defense quickly after the play starts, though, isn't one of them. And that's really what separates the, the great players from the not great players. I think that's always going to be the struggle that he has. When he has a ton of times and time and can see things open up, I think he's going to do just fine. He, he's quite athletic and he's strong. Uh, he's got a good arm. So he's going to get a shot, and again, it just takes one team to believe. We, we've seen it happen before, especially with quarterbacks. So going late first to mid-second isn't going to surprise me at all for Jalen Hurts. Honestly, it wouldn't surprise me if Jordan Love ended up up there. You hear a lot of talk now about... The quarterback coaches all love Jake Fromm because he doesn't make mistakes.
2: So except for if he tries to complete a pass.
3: Right. So it's it's just one of those things where Hertz has all the other stuff. He he is supposedly a very good teammate. He looked good with um you know when Tua took over. <laughs> He didn't pout. He didn't go into his shell. He was supportive. So, yeah, he transferred, but so did Joe Burrow. That doesn't really mean anything. I, I well, think he'll get drafted.
2: If, and look at who he transferred because he was competing against. I mean, right. it's not like he was competing against somebody who's an afterthought. Yeah, yeah. Know, he wasn't and he J- not Jacob Eason his
3: hip. transferring out from under Jake Fromm.
2: Yeah, well, I if, mean... Go ahead, Matt. Go ahead. I mean, if Tua doesn't break his hip, he's probably by far and away the number one prospect. So, you know, you have to take that into consideration a little bit. And what Hertz did with Oklahoma was pretty impressive. Oklahoma had a very decent season as well. So we saw him thrive in two different programs.
1: Yeah, I was going to say, I don't know about the transferring thing. I mean, we saw Justin Fields and uh, Eason both transfer out because uh, because of Jake Fromm. And I, I think Georgia, at the end of the day, would probably rather had Justin Fields or Jacob Eason over Jacob Fromm. So, But, yeah, I agree. He had to transfer out, too. I don't know if Tua would have been the one. That's kind of the one thing that I hate uh, with everything that happened. I feel like that, with him getting hurt kind of deprived of of deprived us of one of the best like quarterback debates we've seen in a long time. Because I still think Burrow obviously goes on and does what he does. I don't think Alabama would have made the playoffs. Uh, Tua, I imagine Alabama would have won out if Tua wouldn't have gotten hurt. But I don't think they make the playoffs. Joe Burrow likely still goes on, wins the championships. That's the historic season that he does. So it would have been a really interesting debate between Burrow and Tua. More people probably would have leaned to it because he had obviously um, the longer uh, – upside with his career he's done more outside of burrow doing it for one year where two has done it for multiple years now but i think it would have been a really uh interesting debate so i'm trying to pull up sleeper here i got involved with a bunch of stuff on twitter there uh so brian edwards who's uh, i think going to be a really good wide receiver goes at 310 Bryson, well, hold
3: on before we ahead. move on to brian edwards yeah your, your love for jalen hurts just completely skipped over my pick of Devin DuVernay.
1: Uh, I'm really bad about skipping over your picks here. You picked Devin DuVernay at 3.8. Why? Apparently.
3: So I I picked DuVernay because I I think he's going to go somewhere and be the next Julian Edelman. He's got that 5'11", 200, 205-pound, quick twitch. He's built for the slot, and I think he's just going to go somewhere, and and he's going to kill it out of the slot. Where do you hope he goes? Oh, you know, I don't know. I didn't really think about where he goes. Cause I, I was, I actually, I and Antonio Gandy golden. That's who I wanted. And then I had yeah, to shit. switch over to Duvernay. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, he, Detroit would be great because D- Danny ambulance Dola uh, is their <laughs> slot guy. Um, they need somebody that can stay healthy and produce there with, with Marvin Jones and Kenny Galladay. I, I think that would be a great fit. And, and, you know, Patricia spent 15 years working under bill Belichick. Uh, so he knows he's seen how to use a slot guy that can stay healthy. That would, that I think would be a nice, nice fit.
1: All right, so now that we got Dennis's pick, as we tried to skip over him again here in third, I promise that won't happen in the fourth we round. We will, we, we will definitely, well, you know, you you were you were complicit in it. You know, he picked Devin Duvernay. I, I was not paying attention at all. Um, so Anthony McFarland goes at three twelve, which I think is an interesting pick, as Dennis mentioned earlier. He's kind of one of those running backs that uh, has some upside. I'll be interested to see what team he lands on. At uh, 4-1, Harrison Bryant goes uh, at uh, 4-1, and then you take Jordan Love at 4-2, which is, I think, going to be an interesting pick. Just like with Jalen Hurts, I I do think he's going to end up obviously getting the draft capital. Where he goes is going to be interesting because I don't know if he's going to be a starter right off the bat. Uh, Matt, you know in the auction we're in right now, uh, I was actually kind of thrilled that I got him for $10 in a a super flex league, especially if he ends up becoming a starter. Kind of, What are your thoughts on Jordan Love and why would you go him at 4-2?
2: So, I would, you know, I was looking here in my last pick. Uh, I thought about tight end. There was nothing really uh, compelling to me there. Um, so then I went over to quarterback, and it's kind of, uh, you know, I, I would say it's kind of the same thing as with Jalen Hurts. There's, we seem to have a pretty solid locked top three uh, with Burrow and Herbert and Tua. Uh, and then after that, I, there's a group of guys that, you know, potentially – could get picked somewhere uh, and have a good opportunity. You know, I've seen some mock drafts that suggest that New England might take a guy like Love. You know, so it really depends. You know, he or Hurts at this point in time, I think they are kind of falling in that same category. I've seen some mocks that have him, Love going as high as six to the Chargers. So, you know, it's it's going to be one of the interesting things. There's there's two or three guys in that second tier of quarterbacks uh they're going to end up going somewhere they could end up being a value so that's uh when I looked at the board and what was left I thought that was worth a flyer down there at four two
1: yeah I mean I I like it a lot um I hate when people I, I'm not someone who likes to make comparisons when it comes to to NFL players I just don't think there's anybody really they don't pan out in my opinion but a lot of people are comparing him uh, to Patrick Mahomes with what he can do with his legs and the way he can throw the ball off platform. And, and I do think he has shown that obviously two years ago when he had a phenomenal season. Last year, not so much. Uh, you're obviously a lot of talk. About how he lost so many. I think it was 19 offensive starters off his offensive line, wide receivers, tight ends, running backs. Like he lost everybody off that offense there at Utah State. Uh, but still, there's that argument that uh, if you're still if you're an elite quarterback, you still kind of raise the players around you, and he was not able to do that. So I, I'm really intrigued to see where he goes. If he ends up going to a place like New England, I think getting him in the fourth round is going to be a steal because I have no doubt Bill is going to coach him up, and then obviously. Make play calls and everything, and allow and coach the game around what his skill set is, and and I do think that is really going to help out him. Uh, Dennis, you have any thoughts on Jordan Love before we move on?
3: No, I, I think he's he definitely has some challenges to to overcome. Uh, him, Jacob Eason, uh, Jake Fromm, all fall into sort of that same area with things that they have to overcome to be productive. I definitely, I don't think anybody's gonna just hand him the spot but i do think he's one of those guys that could surprise and get drafted late in the first round early in the second round
1: all right so that at 4.3 i took uh, adam troutman uh he's right up there he's my tight end two. harrison Bryan is my tight end one he obviously went uh right before Den- uh, not dennis matt at uh 4.1. So I took Troutman. I like to take a, try and take a tight end with some upside in every draft just because I, I do think it. if you can get a guy who ends up turning out to be really good, the George Kittles, Mark Andrews, that we've talked about all the time throughout all the, all this year, uh, tight end is kind of a wasteland outside of those top guys. So if you can get a guy who eventually turns into that, who can sit on your taxi squad, or if you've got a really deep roster that can just sit on your bench for a year or two. I think it can work out for you, and I do think Adam Troutman has that. Uh, everybody kind of seems to think he, he'll be able to step in. It may take a year to kind of get used to the NFL game, uh, but will be really good, so that's why I decided to go Troutman there. thought about a guy like DJ Dallas, uh, but I, I took Antonio Gibson and J.K. Dobbins, so I kind of wanted to separate myself a little bit and, and take a guy like Adam Troutman. Would have gone Jordan Love had, had Matt not taken him right before me. Uh, so, snipe me twice in this one, so thanks for that, buddy. Uh, your guys' thoughts well, on, on That
2: one wasn't intentional, at least.
1: Right, just Isaiah Hodgins, you know, so that's fine, though. Uh, So, DJ Dallas goes at 4-4, Thaddeus Moss at 4-5, Hunter Bryan at 4-6, Jake Fromm at 4-7, and then Dennis picked at 4-8 in this one. I know he did, and uh, he took (laughs) Lynn Bowden. So, Dennis, why did you take Lynn Bowden at 4-8?
3: You know, Bowden comes in, he kind of reminds me of, like, Randall Cobb and Heinz Ward, Julian Edelman type of guy. Played some quarterback in college. Uh, he played; it was Wildcat quarterback, but still, he, he played a lot of quarterback last year because Kentucky was decimated. Uh, he's a good wide receiver. Uh, the year before that, he caught what was it? Uh, 67 passes on 80 targets. Uh, didn't have a, a big uh, uh, yardage. Uh, only.
1: Did Dennis freeze on us? He's doing his this best statue it, impression it, right now.
2: This this time it was the technology that wanted to skip his pick, not you. Yeah, I so. know.
1: this is just not your this is not your draft, Dennis. Oh. We are we are not helping you out here. Well while well, we'll see if we get Dennis back. It looks like he is uh you back now, Dennis? Maybe, maybe not. Nope, nope, still not back. Alright, so let's pull up Lynn Bowden's stats here while we wait on Dennis. Okay to see what uh yeah he keeps coming back and then freezing there i don't know what's going on with uh, with that so lynn bowden trying to pull up his stats really quick so 348 yards so just 11.6 in average which is about what he averaged every single year actually 11.1 in 2018 and 12.4 in 2017 but just 17 receptions then so i mean do you have any thoughts on lynn bowden until we get dennis back dennis i see you moving are you back
3: uh, can you hear me?
1: We can hear yeah. you. All right, continue. All right. We were just going over Lynn Bowden's stats, so continue. Yeah, I could hear you playing this day. Uh, you just froze up on us. It was you just, and we weren't no, I, sure. I, what I just was think going Bowden.
3: On. He he brings a lot of uh, uh, a very high football IQ to the game, uh, good route, route supposed to be, and he's got that toughness like he has. Uh, I, I again at this point in the draft, I'm looking for guys. That either have Preston Williams type of play on the outside wide receiver one upside or guys like Hunter Renfro that are going to get peppered with targets because they're the slot guy. So Duvernay and Bowden both fall into that second category. Uh, I I think he could end up being a, a star in the league.
1: Yeah, I I don't disagree with you. He obviously has that upside. I do think obviously landing on a team that's going to kind of work with him and allow him some time to – hone in more on the wide receiver position. As you mentioned, he kind of did it all. I mean, I I want to say they were, I don't think he actually did it, but there were talks about them playing him at defensive back last year at Kentucky as well because he's so athletic. So I think give him some time to kind of come in and play the wide receiver position. This is going to be a bad comparison, uh, but I almost kind of seem like a like Braxton Miller. Like Braxton Miller, I think, had he been given a shot to actually play the wide receiver wide receiver position in Houston and not deal with the injuries he dealt with. I think he could have ended up being a good slot wide receiver for them. If someone gives Lin Bowden that ability, I think he's going to to be good. So I do like that pick. Uh, Matt, you have any thoughts on, uh, on Lin Bowden before we finish off the draft here?
2: No, I mean, it seems like a, a solid pick. I think once you're in the fourth round, you're kind of just taking, uh, yeah. you know, shots. All
1: right, so after Lin Bowden, Michael Warren Jr. goes to four nine. John Hightower at 4'10", Joshua Kelly, At uh, 411, and then at 412, Darrington Evans. So that completes that. Uh, We did lose Dennis this time for good, apparently, as he (laughs) now is completely off the screen. Uh, But that will do it for us today. So obviously, we talked about at the beginning. Obviously, Matt, Dennis, you'll, I'm sure, listen to this later. Thank you, obviously, for joining us. Uh, We're still pod. This will be the end of the podcast here, uh, as well as the end of the video. Dennis says to tell everybody goodbye, so goodbye from Dennis. Uh, We will be doing this live next week, uh, Thursday, maybe even Friday. I guess it will depend on kind of what your guys' schedules are. I don't have anything going on. I've I've made sure to clear my schedule uh, since this will be the only sporting event we may see until June. So I get the thumbs up from Matt. Uh, We'll pretend like Dennis is giving us a thumbs up. I'm sure he'll he'll join us. So.
2: If my wife was so into the draft that she had us watch draft day last week, I feel like she'll understand.
1: Hey, And you know what? She can join us too. We can have six people on here. So it might be fun to get some different reactions. I'm sure the fun thing about next week is it'll be a little bit more laid back. I'm sure my kids will come over here and interrupt me during this stuff. It's not going to matter. We're, we're just going to be doing it to kind of uh, – Get our live reactions from everything for the first round especially. It'll probably be broken up into multiple pods since the first round tends to take like two or three hours at times. So we'll we'll break it down through hours on the podcast, but we'll be live the whole time, get up, do stuff. But it, it'll be a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, Monday. We will be back. I'll have I'll be have a podcast up tomorrow. Uh, Chris Stoops from the Debbie Delight will be joining me again. We're going to talk more some Debbie talk. And then on Monday's show, we're going to talk about draft auctions as me and Matt are in one right now for one of the listener leagues. And our listener league champion, Jonathan Weber, will be joining us on Monday to talk about an auction draft he was in and what it was like winning uh, the listener league last year. So, again, uh, guys, thank you so much for listening. Thank you for joining us live. I've been watching. We've had viewers jumping up here and there throughout it, so I appreciate you guys jumping on and watching with us. We're going to be doing this from now on obviously thank you for joining me as well have yourself a good weekend
2: yep you too have a great one
0: prepare for glory i don't know if you got your popcorn ready do you got your popcorn ready i came out the wrong line ready it is at the end zone for an unbelievable touchdown i would be honest Throw it up above his head. They can't jump with me, Godly. Only oh, they tackle them for 40 Who can make a play? I can.
1: Who can make a play? I can. <laughs> <laughs>